This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. everybody thanks for listening to goat talk with the goat doc this is episode seven I'm going to be talking about goat kid nutrition thanks so much for listening and i'm really really sorry that it's been like three weeks since i've had time to sit at the computer and edit a podcast and get it out there for you so here it comes without any further ado i hope it's helpful i hope you learned something as always please feel free to hit me up on email goat doc goat doc Kara at gmail.com find me on instagram at goat underscore doc or find me my website goatdoc.com. without further ado here comes episode number seven goat kid nutrition hi this is dr Kara shepherd thanks for listening to goat talk with the goat doc this is episode seven and i'm going to be talking about nutrition in goat kids I've tried to record this episode a couple times now, kind of off the cuff in my truck. I am in my truck now, but I also have some notes and kind of took a little time to organize my thoughts on this topic a little bit more and hopefully get the point across in a more concise fashion. Uh, So today I'm going to talk about how goat kids get their nutrition, uh, how they're gastrointestinal system develops from birth to maturity overall um, and what has worked well for me raising probably hundreds of goat kids now at this point over the last 10 years Um, just a quick Recap of a disclaimer for this podcast. I realize that there's been a couple episodes where it slipped my mind to remind everyone that the intent of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not a substitute from professional for professional medical advice from your local veterinarian. Um, and I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid veterinary client patient relationship with your local vet. Um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I've gotten some great feedback from people. Um, and I've at least one listener question that I'm going to address. Hopefully I will have a little bit more time to record. I've been pretty slammed with my schedule on the road and working for July and it's pretty busy right through the beginning of August. So at least I'll be on the road and worst case scenario, I may be inspired to record some more stuff um, as I was this episode by a case that I saw last week. Before I get into that, if you have a moment, it would be really great if you can subscribe and especially rate and review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Uh, That can help more people find the podcast if the 
computer sees that it's getting more traffic. So if you can take a second to do that, that would be really great. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, things you like, things you don't like, let me know. You can email me at goatdoccara, G-O-A-T-D-O-C-C-A-R-A at gmail.com. So to get into the content of this episode, Goat Kid Nutrition, it's a, it's a pretty, could be a pretty wide-reaching topic. I started to put together some show notes for this topic today. There's going to be some good links and hopefully some helpful visual aids uh, to help support what I'm going to talk about today and give you another reference of uh, useful information for raising goat kids. Uh, I was kind of inspired to pick this as my next topic by a case that I saw about a week ago of a young, about two-month-old, like an Oberhalsey or Oberhalsey cross doe kid who had been purchased at an auction about six weeks prior. So the owner estimated that the kid was about two weeks old when she picked it up at auction. And... um, picked up the two two kids I only saw one of them and had didn't wasn't really sure what she should be doing with that kid as far as feeding it and it's going to be an issue for that kid for probably the rest of its life unfortunately and Interestingly, this is what I have seen in practice, and this is a case of where expectation versus reality was very different for me, Uh, more of what I would have expected to see when I was in veterinary school uh, or before I went to veterinary school based on my experience with people raising goats and based on cases that I saw coming into the clinic while I was in school um, is very, very different from what the reality has been, which is kind of interesting. Uh, So my experience with goats before veterinary school was uh, largely through people who had show animal herds and those animals are those animals were raised by people who had a lifetime of experience raising Nubians, raised beautiful animals and continue to do so. And those animals are, they're, they're high quality show quality animals. They are beautiful animals. They're well kept, they're well fleshed out. Um, and they look great. And that was my exposure to what animals at different life stages should look like. And how do I get them to look like that? Um, that, so that was part of my background, uh, and certainly kind of had a, an effect and impression on how I raised my, how my husband and I have raised our animals over the last 10 years. Outside of my own personal experience, what I often saw in veterinary school So, uh, in the large animal hospital at Tufts, that certainly selects for a different demographic than you maybe see on the road in rural New England. Uh, The animals that present to a specialty hospital for likely surgery or extended medical management are likely getting admitted to the tune of 
probably thousands of dollars just off the bat. And uh, that certainly selects for a certain population of animals which are much more likely to be pets. And pets in general, I would say, uh, maybe tend to be coddled a little bit more than livestock. And goats are a species that can walk that tightrope of pets versus livestock. I see a lot of goats that are absolutely pets, and I see a lot of goats that are absolutely livestock, food-producing animals. So the ones that would present to the large animal hospital in veterinary school tended to be more of the pet genre because people tend to be more willing to drop thousands of dollars on their pets. And those pets tend to be overconditioned. So probably the, if you asked me to picture the typical goat that would present to the large animal hospital at Tufts, it would be a fat Nigerian dwarf weather with a urinary obstruction. So that would be my perception of what kind of nutritional issues I would be seeing in my small ruminant patients having to more rein people in from overfeeding them rather than the opposite worrying about inadequate nutrition this also may be a little bit clouded by my clinical practice with small animals because we absolutely have a dog and cat obesity problem in our society but that is a topic for another time so uh the reality of seeing cases on the road where nutrition has to be addressed is that much, much more often I see animals that have inadequate nutrition. Uh, this can be at all life stages, but I'm going to talk about goat kids today and inadequate nutrition in developing, growing animals, kids, juveniles, uh, that first year of growth is vital. It is likely, possible to likely, that any inadequate nutrition in that first year of growth is going to lead to permanent consequences for that animal for the rest of its life, which is a big bummer <laughs> um, because a lot of it has to do with lack of education about what these animals need to grow adequately or misinformation, and unfortunately there's a lot of that out there. So I'm going, like I said, I'm going to kind of talk about this from the perspective of someone who's raised a lot of goat kids over the past 10 years and what I do with these goat kids and what my goals are for them and how I get them there. There'll be a couple little diversions of a little bit more scientifically oriented topics uh, because I think it's important to understand why these strategies and uh, methods of raising kids are important. So first of all, you're starting out with a fresh new kid. That kid has a world of potential to develop into the best goat that it can be. And it needs adequate nutrition to do that. 
goats are mammals, just like humans and cats and dogs and horses and monkeys and all the rest of them. The, the thing we all have in common is that infants must have milk. There, there's just no other way to, to say it. They, goat kids are designed to get all of their nutrition from their dam's milk for the first at least two months of their their lives. When goat kids are born, they're considered what's called a pre-ruminant um, or a developing ruminant, and their digestive system looks completely different from an adult goat. Uh, goats have multiple compartments to their stomach. You hear people say, oh, goats have four stomachs, and really what they have is three kind of pre-stomachs where things are broken down into small particles and then they have one true stump one true glandular stomach um, but when kids are born those ruminating compartments so the rumen the reticulum and the omasum are kind of rudimentary they're very poorly developed and if you were to, I'll, I'm going to post a picture kind of a schematic of a goat kids GI compared to an adult goat's GI to help illustrate this point in the show notes. But if you compare those two things, the just the size of those organs in comparison to each other is dramatically different. And the reason for that is goat kids come out without their rumen being developed, basically. Um, the inside of the uterus during a pregnancy or during, not during a pregnancy, but during a developing pregnancy is a sterile environment. Kids are not exposed to any microbes or bacteria until they're born. So there is no way for that kind of rudimentary rumen that they have to be exposed to those bugs that they need to be exposed to in order to make any use of the plant material that they'll be consuming during their lives. Their abomasum, which is the true glandular stomach, is what is going to handle their milk diet and extract nutrition. Uh, the small intestine also plays a pretty significant role in that. Um, and as that gastrointestinal system develops the more and more energy and protein and different different components of essential elements of the diet are taken care of by the rumen. Uh, so these kids, they, they need milk. There is no other way to say it. Um, and they should be on a primarily milk diet until my practice in my herd is we tend to not wean things until they're 10 to 12 weeks old at this point. I think the youngest age to be even be considering weaning is about eight weeks. Different farms or herds may have a little bit different practice, and there's certainly not any harm in leaving animals, whether they're dam-raised or bottle-raised, they certainly can get milk for longer than 10 to 12 weeks, and that's not a big deal. But that's kind of the minimum age that I like for considering weaning. I uh, can talk a little bit about bottle raising versus dam raising. I, I think either of those things is fine. 
on our farm we bottle raise everything uh, there's certainly no probably it's probably a, an easier time to let the the dam raise the kids than to bottle raise everything the i've seen a lot of dam raised kids that are absolutely beautiful is probably even better than bottle raising we bottle raise our animals for a few reasons. Uh, one is that some of our does are not interested in being very maternal. Uh, the kids come out and they're like, yeah, I don't care about that thing. And they go back to eating their hay and they're not interested. They're, that's probably the minority of goats and it's not really a great reason in and of itself to bottle raise. Um, the couple other reasons we do it. One is that by bottle raising, we are 100% sure that every kid has adequate colostrum intake and adequate intake of milk throughout its life. I'll definitely talk in detail about colostrum and passive transfer of antibodies from colostrum to the kid in detail in a future episode, um, but by pulling kids from mom, milking her, and feeding the colostrum to kids, we are absolutely sure that they get enough of it during the first 24 hours of their life. Uh, one other reason that some people don't like is that we bottle raise because we are a production dairy and we milk our does out thoroughly twice a day to encourage milk production and because we need that extra milk to make cheese so we can pay the bills and fill the grain silo and pay the hay tab so that go that's a, a more practical reason uh, in terms of running a business and a couple other reasons we bottle raise are that our kids, by bottle raising the kids, are very friendly and people-oriented. They associate us with food and being mom. And finally, we, we are milking those does in a very controlled fashion. We keep tabs on what their somatic cell counts look like, whether there's any concerns, whether there's changes in production, signs of mastitis. We have very close tabs on mammary health. So that's why, that's why we do it. Advantages of dam raising are that you don't have to milk goats twice a day. And when you're milking about 40 goats like we are this year, that's a pretty significant time commitment. So it's nice if the kids are taking care of it and you don't have to worry about it. Ask me how I know. Uh, <laughs> and then you also have a time commitment of bottle feeding the kids too. So yeah, it takes a lot off your plate if you just let mom do her job. It can simplify things greatly. Uh, if you are bottle raising your animals, then there's a question of what goes in the bottle. And in my mind, there's a hierarchy of best to least best things that you can feed goat kids. And then there's some like things that I do not encourage to be fed to goat kids. <coughs> Excuse me. 
at the top of the list is fresh, raw, healthy, disease-free goat's milk. So this is either from that actual goat kid's mom or from the herd pooled and uh, biosecurity disease screening status is known so talked about that before in another episode CAE, CL, Yonis CAE is definitely of the highest concern there in terms of biosecurity because that's why CAE is a more significant issue in the goat dairy industry than the meat goat industry because the practice of pooling all the milk and then feeding it back to kids can easily spread CAE quickly throughout a whole population of kids. If you've got 10 does and one of them CAE positive and you mix all the milk together and feed it to those roughly 20 goat kids, now all of them have been exposed to CAE, not just the two that were born from the mom that was CAE positive. So that's why we see a lot more CAE positive animals in dairy breeds. Um, So you want to make sure that you're getting healthy, disease-free goat's milk. Um, It's great if it's raw. It needs to be cleanly handled. You can heat treat it or pasteurize it. Um, In my herd, we milk out moms and we feed it back raw because we're pretty much a closed herd and we know our biosecurity status so that's number one fresh healthy goat's milk uh second best thing in my opinion and experience is if you have a local dairy a local cow dairy that you are confident has a bunch of healthy yonis free animals in and they will sell you raw milk that is an acceptable substitute for goat's milk. And so that's that's fresh, raw, healthy cow's milk coming out of the bulk tank. That is not the same thing as pasteurized, homogenized, vitamin D added, blah, 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 gallons of milk from the grocery store. Those are very, very different, different things if you've ever put them side by side and had a drink or even not side by side if you've had one and you've had the other you will notice a difference um i've raised we raised a couple years worth of goat kids on some nice raw cow's milk from local dairies and they did quite well so that's my second favorite thing it's kind of a pain especially if you're raising a large number of animals but they tend to do well on it in my experience And then the third thing that is okay to put in the bottle is a goat-specific milk replacer. So those are like powdered milk replacer formulas, and there's different brands out there. There's like Manapro and Dumore and Land O'Lakes, you know, they're out there. And a species-specific one is my preference the other thing you tend to see on the shelves in like tractor supply or whatever will say something like multi-species milk replacer and there's like a picture of a goat and a horse and a pig and i don't know what else on the on the label and a general rule of thumb about anything that is multi-species 
is that it is not particularly particularly good for any one of those species. So you've got like your multi multi species milk replacer. It's not really that good for that lamb or that goat kid or that foal or those piglets or any of them in general. It's not nutritionally adequate for any one of them in particular. Um, the other thing that I'm not a huge fan of is like your all stock feeds, like your grains that have like a pig and a sheep and a goat on there. Nyeh. This, this is diverting from my current topic a little bit, but in general, those things that are like, ooh, this is good for all of these things, is not really that good for any one of them. So, something to think about there. Um, yeah, so goat milk specific replacer. What doesn't go in the bottle for goat kids is like regular, I mentioned this a little bit, regular pasteurized milk from the store in your gallon jug. Eh, that's not that great. It could be goat or cow, but it's gen- those things are generally pasteurized. The goat's milk in the store is homogenized. Um, the, the pasteurization of commercial commercially prepared milk gallons is usually like the ultra high temperature pasteurization because it's faster so that absolutely changes the proteins in the milk and it's it's not the same animal as your fresh raw cow's milk or your fresh raw goat's milk so yeah no that's not not really useful i would pick a goat milk specific or a a goat kid specific milk replacer over your like whole milk from the grocery store um the other thing that i see a lot of online is like these homemade recipes that make me be at a loss for words a little bit like i am right now so those are often like ooh, get a gallon of whole cow's milk and then a pint of buttermilk and then like add some egg whites or something like that and that is just I'm making a face right now where I'm kind of like grimacing and shaking my head it's not nutritionally adequate for your goat kids um yeah don't don't do that Uh, (laughs) it's kind of like um, I make the same face in the clinic when people are like, ooh, I want to feed my puppy a home-cooked diet. And I'm like, eh. I make, I make a face and I say that our prepared dog foods, like puppy food, is nutritionally complete for puppies. And there are scientists and veterinary nutritionists and your big your big pet food companies do feeding trials and that is to ensure that those those diets are nutritionally complete for those animals it's really 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 hard and a lot of work to make a home cooked diet especially for a growing animal whether it's a puppy or a goat I don't even know of a way to make a home cooked or home prepared diet for a goat um, that is going to meet its needs nutritionally so I encourage you to not go there Um, that's that's my spiel about that like concoctions of milk and buttermilk and different dairy products 
in my opinion, are to be avoided. It should go without saying, but often it doesn't, that as goat kids get older, they grow bigger, and as they grow bigger, they need more food. They need more milk. So your kid that's a month old should still be primarily getting its nutrition from its milk, whether it's from mom or a bottle, and whether if it's in a bottle, it's a replacer or raw cow's milk or goat's milk. It needs a, a month-old kid that weighs, should be weighing like 20 to 30 pounds at that point, is going to need more volume of milk per feeding than a two-week-old goat kid that's maybe like 10 pounds, depending on what breed of goat it is. So, like I said, it seems like it should go out, go without saying, but often it doesn't, and I'm, that's why I'm saying it. Uh, also, as they get older, goat kids start to put everything in their mouths. And this is how they develop that rumen from that rudimentary small compartment in their GI into the big, delightful, fermenting vat of microbes that take plant material that <laughs> we as single-stomached mammals can't do anything useful with and they take that cellulose that like woody plant material and the microbes in the rumen turn it into useful energy molecules for that animal which is a kind of crazy and amazing thing I will probably have to have like another whole episode to talk about rumination and how cool it is because it's pretty wild the, as the goat kids are starting to put stuff in their mouth, like the grain and the hay, I, we provide goat kids with grain and hay like at days old. They're putting stuff in their mouths. They're going to swallow some of that stuff. They're going to start to nibble on grass and hay, and that stuff has bacteria on it, has different microbes on it. They're going to swallow that, and some of that uh, bacteria, some of those organisms are going to end up in that rudimentary rumen and then they're in like this nice moist warm environment where they're going to start to multiply the kids are going to swallow more plant material and grain and it's going to give those microbes something to munch on and they're and they're going to multiply more and so this period over several months allows these kids to develop from pre-ruminants to full-on ruminants that can eat grass all day long and get meaningful sustenance from grass, forage, hay, browse, whatever, which is really, really cool. Um, I don't have... People often ask me, like, how, how much do I feed this goat kid? Or how much do I feed this goat? And I don't have a hard and fast rule for that. I, It's kind of intuitive for me, which is probably frustrating for people that I talk to. Um, so for like an example, I said that, you know, we put grain in front of our kids at like a week old so they can start to put it in their mouths and start to develop their rumens. There's some pretty compelling kind of research and 
uh, like feeding trials on calves, like dairy calves in particular, uh, of different types of grain and feeding systems that help them develop their rumens more quickly and therefore grow more quickly. And that's, that's pretty cool. I can probably dig up some photos of that and put them in the show notes. But anyway, so yeah, how much do I feed these kids? They, as they get older, they've got this stuff in front of them, they will start to be more interested in it. I've got goat kids right now. It's easy. I guess it's easier for me to kind of explain by examples. I've got a couple of go- groups of goat kids right now. I've got some weanlings that are 10 to 12 weeks old. They're probably 40 pounds on average, which is, I'm happy with that size. That's fine by me. Um, and they're eating probably one, like three quarters to a quart of grain per goat per day. And they go to it with enthusiasm and they probably don't clean it all up right away, but by like, if we do chores like 6, 7 a.m., it's probably all cleaned up by 10 a.m. or noon. So it's gone by the next time that they're fed which is what I want. I don't really like to have large amounts of grain in front of them 24 hours a day. Um, Oh, it's probably at least partly because it's wasteful and they put their little poopy feet in it and then you have to dump it out. But I also like to at least somewhat have an idea of how much volume of grain they're eating. And that's, that's what works for me. So my 40 pound ish dough kids are eating about three quarters to one quart of grain twice a day and as they continue to grow they'll eat more and one how I determine when they need more is when I feed them and the grain is all cleaned up in like minutes and then it's gone I next time I feed them I'll feed them a little bit more it's it's (laughs) it's an imperfect system I guess but it's what works for me uh, so that's that's grain uh, and and different kinds of uh, different kinds of grain are available. The in the northeast, the kind of the bigger brands. This is, is like geographically variable in the northeast. The I think the more common brands that are more locally sourced and made are Poulin grains and Blue Seal grains. Uh, Poulin has a mill in Vermont, and Blue Seal has at least one in Maine, I think, or maybe New Hampshire, um, fairly locally. And I'll often recommend either of the goat feeds, either the Caprine Challenger, which is Blue Seal, or the Pool and Sweet Goat. Uh, Both of those are 18% sweet feeds. They're formulated for goats. I fed them for many years to my own herd and like them. Uh, The sweet feeds are kind of nice for kids because they like the sweet. It entices them to eat stuff. There's other stuff in those feeds besides just pellets. There's like some rolled corn and some oats and things that help to keep them a little bit interested. So providing that at a young age is a useful thing to do. 
when you get to weaning age, they should be eating plenty of grain and however you decide to wean, you know, there's different ways of doing it. And sometimes the kids will tell you like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this milk thing. If you provide them grain and milk at the same time, if you're bottle raising, we've had a good number of kids. I'd say probably like 30% of our kids every year you provide them grain and they go right to the grain and instead of the milk bar and that's great they're like then they'll like look at the milk bar and see like the other their other pen mates be drinking milk and they're like nah I'm I'm good with this grain over here so that's that's useful for us because then we're like all right well they're done with that and we don't have to think about them anymore they decided on their own this isn't something that kids like young kids will do in my experience you know they they want milk until they don't want milk anymore um the other thing that is in front of my goat kids almost all the time is a good quality hay Uh, this is a an interesting thing to me which was again the expectation versus reality thing uh, that I talked about at the beginning. It, it, I don't know what the concern is, but people do seem to have a concern about feeding too much hay to goats or ruminants in general. And it, it's really, 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 really hard to feed too much hay to goats. I don't think... There's probably, if I think really hard, I might be able to come up with a couple reasons why I wouldn't have hay in front of a goat. Maybe if I was, like, kind of trying to fast one for surgery, like, before anesthesia. Uh, or I, I honestly, even even aside from that, I can't think of a good reason to not have hay in front of a goat all the time. I'm even thinking of like sick goats and most of the time sick goats you want them to eat and part of the problem with them being sick is that they're not eating but if you want them to eat you should be providing food all the time <laughs> I don't know I'm having a really hard time with a good reason to withhold feed especially forage so hay browse access to pasture any of those things like they can have that all the time ruminants are designed to eat for like 20 hours a day if you put hay in front of goats and you observe them they'll eat and they'll you know they'll continue to eat they like you they'll just keep eating and then they'll stop and then they'll go lay down and then they'll ruminate they'll lay down, they'll eructate, so they'll bring up the partially chewed and partially digested wads of plant material from their rumen and reticulum, and they'll chew them up, and then they'll swallow them again. And that is totally normal. Like, I love it when I can have hay in front of my goats 24 hours a day. It's hard to keep up with them sometimes because we've got a pretty good-sized herd right now, but that is the ideal situation. I, it's really, really, really hard to feed them too much hay. So it's absolutely fine for them to have it in front of them at all times. Uh, 
what I look for in a hay is like a good quality hay uh, especially for goat kids like a second or third cut hay is really nice something that's soft and leafy and enticing that's that's nicer for them to eat they're more likely to chew it up and put it in their mouth if it's soft uh, second and third cut hays tend to have higher protein content so that is good for growth so those, those that's what I like to that's what I like to do Um, going back to grain a little bit, I guess, this is another, I I guess people get scared off of feeding grain to goats for a couple reasons. One may be grain overload. So that would be like your goat that gets out and absolutely gorges itself on the bag of feed. And that can be fatal. Absolutely, animals can die from grain overload. It's really hard to treat. It's labor-intensive to treat. There's a lot of supportive care and a guarded prognosis. Um, And the other fear with feeding grain is, like, the patient I mentioned as thinking of, like, your typical goat patient presenting to the Tufts Large Animal Hospital would be, like, your fat-blocked weather. And those guys tend to be fed a lot of grain because they're pets. But having said that, I feed all of my goat kids grain until they're a year old. So that's does, that's weathers, that's bucks. That's all of them. When they're weaned at... 10 to 12 weeks old or even if they're weaned at 16 weeks old so let's say everybody gets weaned at four months those animals are not done growing at four months old and it is going to be very very difficult for them to reach their full growth potential in those remaining roughly eight months of that first year of that first year of growth um, without grain on just hay it's, that's hard to do. They really need more protein, more calories than can be provided by just hay. So I provide my growing animals with grain up until they're a year old. The urinary obstruction thing can be of concern. There's different things you can do to mediate that risk. I'll have another episode talking about urinary obstruction. But it's definitely a risk-benefit thing uh, if those animals are not fed adequately through the first year of their life they're going to miss that growth period and there is nothing you can do to bring it back those animals will be permanently stunted their skeletal development will not be appropriate you can look at one of these animals and say that doesn't look quite right they they don't have maturity in their bones that they should things look a little bit out of whack Um, so that's why everybody gets grain at my place until they're a year old and then depending on what they're doing after that they may get a lesser amount of grain they may not get any grain during the summer whatever but that continued, they don't stop growing when they're weaned. They need a lot of calories still. There's a lot of calories in milk, and if you're drinking, you know, I don't even know what the, the weanlings are drinking, you know, probably half a gallon to a gallon of milk daily. That's a lot of calories, and 
they physically cannot get that same amount of calories from hay it's like impossible if you think about like the calories in uh, a, a gallon of milk versus a gallon of spinach you're, you're not even close you have to be like like 10 garbage bag fulls of spinach before you're even close to having enough spinach to make all those calories it's physically not really possible so that's that's my spiel there uh, how to assess whether the animal is growing well and whether their body condition is adequate i'm going to post a link in the show notes at goatdoc.com to a really good video uh, by the american dairy goat association about body condition scoring goats i'll probably have another episode about that in the future uh, because it's a useful tool to manage and assess the health of individuals and herds of animals over time uh, it's a it's a fairly lengthy video, but it's very thorough. It is focused on adult dairy goats, but applicable to younger animals too. It's a good, solid, concrete way to assess them, and that is helpful information, I think. Um, and I guess I'm just gonna kind of wrap it up here with some. Like I said, I've, I've seen a, a more goats that I, than I would like that have suffered ill effects from inadequate nutrition. And the reasons why um, people have concerns about different things, you know, these are kind of, I guess these are kind of like the don'ts of goat kid nutrition. Um, and yeah, so one of them is that people will freak out about something like milk scours, which I talked about in episode one about go kid diarrhea, and then they'll feed less milk or they'll feed something different that's not nutritionally adequate, and then those kids are being deprived of vital calories and nutrition. So one of the don'ts is don't freak out about milk scours, and you can listen to episode one for more info on that. Uh, other things I've heard people say are like, oh, well, I gave them more grain and then they had a little bit, you know, then their their stool was a little bit clumpy, so I stopped because I was too much grain. And that's also, again, something that anytime you're making a diet adjustment, you may see a little bit of a change in stool. It's something that may last a couple days and then resolve. But this is the thing of like your, your 20-pound goat kid is not going to need as much grain as your 40 pound goat kid and how do you make that transition you need to make it gradually and also not be looking just at that goat kid's poop if that goat kid is bright and alert and hungry and wants to eat then you should let them eat and get used to having a little bit more grain so they get those more calories and very very likely um, any soft stool or issues like that will resolve if it's just a, an issue of diet change so kind of same deal as milk scours um, don't freak out about it if unless there's a reason to freak out about it uh, another thing that I've seen not uncommonly is providing 
like a less than ideal hay. Uh, people like to say that goats will eat anything and I remember this book because like I grew up watching Reading Rainbow and I, I love it. And there was a book called Gregory the Terrible Eater and he was a goat and he ate like he wanted to eat trash and he ate like shoelaces and stuff and then he didn't feel good. It's the same idea like crappy moldy or like really woody first cut hay like I'll feed some of that in the winter to my mature does because I think it makes their rumens work a little bit harder and keeps them warmer but that that's not a, a woody stemmy first cut hay or anything with molds or that was wet it's not going to provide the same nutritional value as a nice high protein second cut hay so the whole thing about goats eating anything is a total total lie they might eat it but it's not going to be super helpful for them uh yeah so i think i've i've come to the end of my notes here so kind of recapping went over goat kids drinking milk a little bit about the development of their rumen and why the transition from milk to solid food is something that needs to happen gradually and over time um what is good to bottle feed what is not so good to bottle feed uh, a little bit about body condition scoring feeding grain and hay I hope this has been helpful. Uh, I would love it if you have any questions or comments or whatever input on anything in this episode or uh, any of the other episodes. If you send me an email at goatdoccara at gmail.com. And um, yeah, this is it's something that, like I said, I've said a couple times. Goat, nutrition in goat kids and goats in general is something that I've had to deal with in ways that I didn't expect before I hit the road as a clinician. So it's it's an it's been an interesting process. Um, so if you want to have a dialogue about it, I'm very happy to do that. Also. If you can take a second, if you like the podcast, if you can take a second to rate and review in iTunes or, I guess, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you're listening, that would be great. Uh, if you can share with your goat-loving friends, that would be great. And I think that's it for today. And I will talk to you next time. Meh. <laughs>